0: maybe even noticed a theme as we were singing this morning, even the song that Paul and and Belen just did, uh, that we're talking a a lot about God's faithfulness this morning. And and I I hope that as as I preach even now, our mind would be directed to uh, God and His great faithfulness. We're talking, we're doing a series this summer, going through a bunch of different kinds of psalms, and the beginning of every sermon title is, Going to God When We... And uh, the one for today is going to God when we are getting old, okay? Uh, And I know getting old is a relative thing because, uh, like, if I were to ask a kindergartner, if they ask me what my age is and I tell them I'm 33 years old, they think that's old. Me, as a 33-year-old, I don't think I'm really getting old. I might look at somebody in their 60s and say, now that's getting old, right? But those of you in your sixties might look and say, hey, I got another twenty years till I start getting old. So age is really a relative kind of thing. And and I didn't know like how do you know? How are you supposed to know if you're getting old? Like, am I getting old? I don't know. And so I Googled it, and here's what I found. You know that you're getting old when at the breakfast table you hear snap crackle pop and you're not eating cereal. Okay? You know you're getting old when it takes two tries to get up from the couch. You know you're getting old when the little gray-haired lady that you help across the street is your wife. You know, you know you're getting old when the pharmacist knows you by name. You know you're getting old when you finally get it all together, but then you can't remember where you put it. And you know you're getting old when you have more hair in your ears and nose than on your head. Okay? So I don't know. If by those criteria this morning, any of you would say, okay, I guess I am, I'm getting old, uh, because some of those apply to me. Getting old really is hard. Because we live in a sinful and fallen world, getting older usually means experiencing more pain and more hardship. Most people that are in their 70s have experienced more pain and hardship in their lifetime than I have in my 30s, right? That, that as we live long in this world, stuff just seems to get hard. Things seem to be wearing out. As somebody said, when you get old, either what you have hurts or what you have doesn't work. It's usually one of the two. It's either it doesn't work or it hurts. And there's so many limits to being old. I mean, there's things that we used to maybe love, like football. Football is a great game, but if you are the activities coordinator at a nursing home, you usually don't put football on the activities calendar right that that actually the average age of an NFL player is twenty seven that's when you hit your peak, and anything after twenty seven you 're sliding down the peak, and some of you are thinking i've been sliding for a long time then, right And, and so uh, Kirsten and I actually went on a date this week uh, to Las Flores and uh, Um, I was finishing up paying inside and Kirsten was waiting in the entryway and an older woman came out of the restroom and Kirsten didn't understand her totally but thought that the first thing the lady said to her was, I think I just had a stroke in there. Um, and, And I think she had had one too many margaritas in the restaurant first. I think that was part of it. And she was with somebody, we weren't totally sure what she said. But the next thing she said was clear, and I had gotten out there by this time, and we wrote it on our takeout box so we could remember it, knowing I was going to preach on this this week. Here's what she said. She said, when you get old, it gets interesting. You just have to laugh a lot, okay? And sometimes she's right, because I think as you age and as things start to change and get worse rather than better, that you have to laugh, because if you didn't laugh, you'd probably start crying, Right? And so, we're going to talk this morning about what it means to get old. When you get old, some of the things that you used to be able to do, you just can't do any, anymore. Some people really enjoy aging, but other people have a really tough time. There's a lot of loneliness and hurt and pain, physical pain, emotional regret, all sorts of things that come as we age. So many limits, I can't run like I used to run. I can't do the job that I used to love to do. And there's a sense of loss that comes with that. I would love to go on a mission trip to Haiti, but I just can't do that. All sorts of things that we get reminded. I can't even eat what I used to love to eat. All sorts of things change. And we don't talk much about getting old in the church. It's something we just don't talk about a lot. But it's something that all of us are in the process of doing, and really all of us at the same rate, right? That we're all aging. And so I think it would be good for us this morning to get some biblical perspective on what it means to get old as we see as we look at scripture we've looked at psalm 139 a couple weeks ago and that told us that god creates our very lives he's the one who from our mother's womb was forming us was knitting us together and even as we get old we recognize that every day of our life is a gift from him every breath that we take every beat that our heart makes is because of his sustaining grace Psalm 71 is where we're going to be this morning. I don't know if you're going to get old. Uh, We don't have that guarantee. We don't know that we will grow old here on this earth, and if we do, what it will be like. But God does, and I'm grateful for that. And this morning, we're going to turn to Psalm 71. Psalm 71 is a psalm written, we don't know exactly by whom, but by somebody who is going through the process of aging. Somebody who's getting old. And for even those of us who might say, like, well, I'm not there yet, we should be thinking about how will we get old. Made me think about it by just preparing this sermon this morning. So, Psalm 71, you can open up to that. And if you're able to, let's stand as we read God's word together this morning. Psalm 71. Listen to the word of God. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, Deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope. My trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you have I leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I've been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together, and they say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him. There is none to deliver him. O God, Be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace may they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth, you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities, you will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the heart for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also which you have redeemed, and my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. You can be seated. There is an outline on the back of your bulletin. might be helpful for you to take some notes there. Uh, We're going to go through this. There's going to be one section, verses 15 to 18, that we'll spend the majority of our time on, but I want to at least touch on the rest of the psalm, too. So Psalm 71, verses 1 through 3, we're going to talk about how as we get old, God is our rock and our refuge. Listen, as you get old, the body that you have can no longer be considered a rock. You can't count any longer on your body. You're not sure that when you get up from the couch that your knee's not going to give out as you get old. There's a lot of things about us that we just really can't count on. We can't count on our heart or our brain or our knees. We can't count on our pills or our doctor or a surgery. A lot of things that we can't count on. But as we come to God, notice this psalmist, as he comes to God in verses 1 through 3, he says, God, you are my rock, a rock. Rock is something that you can stand on, something that you know will not change, and that is our God. And as we get old and things are changing and maybe seeming to get worse and worse physically, we know that we can keep coming to our God who is a rock, and we can count on Him. And that is very good news. Psalm 102, we're going to go over that actually next week, but Psalm 102, you can maybe write that down. Psalm 102, 25 to 27 Or you can flip there. Here's what that says. Of old you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you, God, will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe and they will pass away. But listen, but you are the same and your years have no end. It's good to know that as we age and seem to be deteriorating, that we have a God who will not deteriorate. We measure our days in days. He measures His in years, and His years have no end. He's an eternal God, and therefore we can go to Him as our rock and our refuge. And that's what the psalmist does in verses 1 through 3. even says in verse 3, Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. It's not a one-time visit that you get. We can continually, as, as, as we feel like, man, I'm wearing everybody else out with my problems. We can never wear our God out with our problems. We can continually come to Him and seek refuge in Him. So God is our rock and refuge as we get old. Psalm 71, 4 through 6 then, the next three verses tell us this, that God continues to be our hope as we get old. If you look at verse 4, Verse 4 is the psalmist's request. We're going to see specific prayer requests sprinkled all throughout this psalm. And one of the main problems of this psalmist as he gets old is not necessarily physical problems. It's relational problems. Notice verse 4. He's asking God to rescue him from what? From the hand of the wicked, the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. He's having some relational struggles with other people as he gets old. Some of you, as you get old, that might be the case for you. That as you are aging, you're finding yourself to be in conflict with maybe even those that you love the most. With your own kids, with brothers and sisters and that kind of thing. You find this kind of conflict. But for more of us, it's probably just more of the emotional and physical pain that seem to be our enemies. And so our requests as we come before God are often for our own health. That God would bring us comfort and restore our health. We see in verses four, but then in verse five and six, I love that as he's praying, he makes this declaration. You see that in verses five and six? As he's praying, he makes this declaration. For you, O Lord, are my hope. You're my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Anybody here have what you would call, and maybe you've even called it this before. I just got a really boring testimony. Like, I can't remember. Like, from when I was very little, I know there was a point where I was. Dead and God made me alive. I was in darkness and God brought me to light. But it happened when I was so little that I hardly remember anything before that. For as long as I can remember, God has been my hope. I have put my trust in God since I was just a little kid. Some of you have that kind of testimony. Don't call that boring. That's a great testimony to have. That's this guy's testimony. Now, as he gets old, he says, From my youth, he even goes back to in his mother's womb, okay? From as little as I could remember, I have been trusting in you. You have been my hope. And just as you have been my hope for my entire life leading up till now, even now, as I get old and stuff isn't working right anymore, you continue to be my hope. And the last last part of verse 6 is this. My praise is continually of you. If I'm going to talk about something, if I'm going to brag something up in my old age, I want it to be Him. I want my praise to be continually of Him. If I'm going to brag, I'm going to brag about Him. If I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the Lord. My praise is continually of Him. There's an old song that I plan to quote more than once in this sermon today, and there's part of a verse of that song that goes like this. I love to tell the story. Why? Because I know it's true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. psalmist is saying, my praise is continually of you. That's what I want to talk about. If people want to know what I want to talk about, I want to talk about God and his faithfulness and the story of what he's done in my life. That's what I want to talk about. That's what I want us to be as we get old, that we would be the people that would continually hope and trust in him, and then that we would be people that praise him. Look at verses 7 through 14 that's what those are mainly about, that as we get old, we will praise God. Verse 7 might be a little bit confusing, so I want to just explain that really quick. Verse 7 says, I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. What's a portent? <laughs> I've been as a portent to many. Yours might translate some other words. It's a hard thing to translate. That's why they they, they use the word portent here, because it seems to get at it best. But a portent is a solemn warning from God, a dreadful sign of God's punishment. What's happening is these people are looking at this old guy and seeing him kind of falling apart, and they are trying to cause him to doubt. They are looking at him. Look at verse 11. Here's what they're saying. In verse 11 it says, God has forsaken him, pursue and seize him. There is none to deliver him. They're saying, look at you have been faithful. Since you were a little kid, you have been faithful to God. And now that you're getting old, look what he's doing to you. You really think that that God is still present, still with you? You really think he's as good as he says he is? I mean, you've been faithful your whole life, and this is what you get? You get all these problems as you're getting old? Getting old and encountering the problems that come with aging can cause you to doubt God's goodness. But they also can be great opportunities to remember God's faithfulness. That as you age, I ask you this question, as you prepare to get older, will you be the kind of person that starts to doubt God's goodness when stuff starts to head south? Or will you be the kind of person that remembers God's faithfulness? Doubt God's goodness or remember God's faithfulness? You see, the psalmist here in this time of his life is going to God. He's going to God as he gets old, and I hope that you would also do that. You see that in verse 7, and then you see it again verse, uh, where is it, verse 8. Verse 8 he says, my mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. And then he has a request in verse 9. Don't cast me off in my time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. And then he has specific requests in verses 10 through 13. But Then in verse 14 he makes this commitment. I would love to be a part of a church filled with people who are aging and making this commitment in verse 14 but I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more hoping in God is something that you do when you're initially saved but it's something that has to be continual you have to wake up every day and make a choice God my hope today is not going to be in my body or in that somehow I'm going to get better my hope today is in you and my praise today is of you that would be the way we age, I think, is what the psalmist is getting at here. Then I said, we're going to spend most of our time in verses 15 through 18. The point there being that we will preach as we get old. It's good for me to think about this now, myself, and ask me these questions. When I talk, now now I get to preach here, but I, I hope I'm not the only one in this church that's doing any kind of preaching. And so, we need to ask ourselves, as we get old, what do we want to be known as? What do we want to be known as? The guy who talks about what? Do I want to be known as the guy who talks a lot about all of my medical issues? Do you want to be known as the guy who talks a lot about all of my regrets, all the things I wish I would have done differently? Do I want to be known about the guy who talks all the time about the war or the Minnesota Twins? No. If, I, if you are still around when I'm getting old, And what I talk to you about is when the twins were in the 1991 World Series, go ahead and throw water on my face and say, hey, old man, talk to me about Jesus. I don't care about the Minnesota Twins. That's the old guy I want to be. I want to be the guy that if I'm talking to you and you're talking to me, you just know I'm going to be talking to you about Jesus. And that starts now. That's not something I just want to do when I'm older. That's something I want to do now. I want to talk about Jesus a lot more. We see the psalmist doing that in verse 15. Look at verse 15. My mouth, he says, he's still got a mouth. I don't know what else is wrong with him, but he's still got a mouth. He says, as long as I have a mouth, here's what's going to happen. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. you get what he's saying? God, I'm going to talk about your righteous act and the deeds of salvation that you've done. If that's all I talked about for the rest of my life, I would not run out of things to talk about. I don't have to talk about worthless things. If all I talked about the rest of my life was God's righteous acts and his deeds of salvation, that would be enough because those are beyond number, past my knowledge. I want to be the old guy that talks a lot about God and what he's done. Verse 16, it's not just what we talk about, it's specific. Verse 16, it says this, With the mighty deeds of the Lord, I will come. And here's the message. Here's the message that he's preaching about God. Listen, the end of verse 16, I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. When I I talk to people, when I preach to people, I want to preach to them about God's righteousness. That's what they need to hear from me. That's what they need to hear from us. They need to hear about God's righteousness, how that everything God does is right and good that God alone is righteous God's righteousness is at the heart of the gospel and we need not especially as we age be ashamed of that in Romans 1, 16 to 17 here's what it says for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and then also to the Greek for in it listen the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So as we get old, we will be people who will preach. And our message will be of the righteousness of our great God. I love to tell the story, more wonderful it seems, than all the golden fancies of all my golden dreams. I love to tell the story, it did so much for me. And that's just the reason that I tell it now to thee. We who have experienced God's salvation in Christ, have seen all that it has done for us, and so we just love to tell that story. Verse 17, he talks about how he's been doing this for a long time, but I love verse 18. Look at verse 18. I want to spend a little time here. Verse 18, he's got a prayer that maybe many of us will pray as we age, and it starts out like this. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me. As you feel like other people that you love, other people that you've been committed to, are starting to to maybe leave and fall away. We pray, God, in my aging, would you not forsake me? God, don't leave me alone now. That's his prayer request. But listen, did you see the reasoning, the motivation behind that prayer request? Did you see that in verse 18? He's not saying, God, don't forsake me because I really want to golf a few more rounds. Before I die, God, don't forsake me because I really want to see this happen. I really want to see this happen. God, don't forsake me because I just, I want you to, I want to be comfortable for the rest of my life. That's not his prayer request. Did you see his prayer request? God, do not forsake me. And why? Look at the end of verse 18. Do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all. Are to come. God, don't forsake me until I have another opportunity to proclaim to the next generation your might and your power. God, give me one more day, not so that I can waste it on myself, but so that I can tell other people about what you've done. You know Chuck Swindoll, you heard of Chuck Swindoll, Uh, three years ago, I think it was. He's, he's getting old, uh, uh, just like we all are, and he made this comment three years ago, and I love it. Here's what he said. One of my great goals in life is to live long enough to where I am in the pulpit, preaching my heart out, and I die on the spot. My chin hits the pulpit, boom, I'm down and out. What a way to die. That's a good goal. I like that. He's getting old, and he's like, I'm not, I, don't, I don't have this idea of like, retiring and and, and getting this reward for all the hard work that I've done so far in my life. I just want to keep preaching. And in his case, he does have a pulpit. You maybe don't have a pulpit, but he says, I just want to keep preaching until I fall down, my chin hits the pulpit, and I'm out. That'd be great. I think that's a great goal. You may remember me uh, speaking of a guy named George Mueller a few weeks back. He lived back in the 1800s. He gave his life to preaching the gospel and starting orphanages, and then you might remember that I mentioned that at the age of 70, you remember what he did at the age of 70? When a lot of people would say, man, I have lived quite the life. Time for me to relax. At the age of 70, he went on a mission trip that lasted him 17 years, till he was 87 all around the world. Okay? I love to be the kind of people like that. And so as we think about getting older, as we think about our later years, our retirement, we're supposed to plan for retirement, right? And financially, that's a good thing to be doing. But in what ways are we planning for that period of life called retirement? How are we going to do that? I want you to go ahead and take a look at this video. It's about a two, three-minute kind of thing, um, and uh, hopefully it'll be helpful. So go ahead and take a look at this for just a moment.
1: what a tragedy in america this is one of the biggest tragedies in our culture that billions of dollars are invested every year to get people my age to waste the rest of our lives billions of dollars invested to persuade us and lure us at any cost, it seems, to waste the rest of our lives. It's called retirement. And in sum, it goes like this. You've worked for it. Now enjoy it. Twenty years, perhaps, of The world, uncared for medically, uneducated, filthy water, poverty stricken, unevangelized, sick, under the weight of healthy sixty-five year old people playing bridge and shuffleboard and collecting shells and fishing and golfing their way into the presence of King Jesus. You're going to join them unless at this stage in your life, you make some very radical decisions, very radical commitments, very radical choices about where your treasure is. come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would seek to save his life will lose it, and whoever
0: loses his life, for my sake and the gospel. So we can go ahead and turn it off. Um, And uh, and I don't know if you could hear every word that he was saying. And he's not saying uh, that retirement is a bad thing, but I like what he's challenging. That he's challenging the idea we have in our culture that retirement is in some way some kind of reward for all of your hard work. And so now it is your time to do what you want to do. Is there anything wrong with golfing or playing bridge or fishing? No. Those things in and of themselves are certainly not bad things. But what he's saying is, is that your goal? Is that your aim? If God has given you life and breath, how is it that you'll use that? And that's not just a question for those of us who are just out of college or something like that or just getting done with high school. We need to be thinking about that all throughout our life. God, what, have you, what are you having me here for at this purpose, at this stage in my life. And retirement can be a great time to allow you to serve in ways that you could not serve before. That maybe all of your life, because of your commitments to your job and all sorts of other things, you really could not serve in the ways that you wanted to serve. Retirement is a great time for you to say, Okay, now I can give myself fully to God's work in and around me, here and now. So I like that because we live in a culture where we're taught to look forward to retirement as the reward for our years of hard work. The idea we have is that with medicine and technology, we're going to be living for a very long time, and so we ought to figure out a way to enjoy it as much as possible. I just don't see that when I read Scripture, and more so than I want our culture to define what I think about getting old and getting to the point of retirement, I want Scripture to define how I look at my days. You might find that in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, here's what that says. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil you look around in this world and you see, oh man, it's falling apart. It's not like it used to be. Then we ought to be encouraged from Scripture to make the best use of our time. And recognizing that there are, there are certainly limitations that come. Uh, and so you might think, like, but what can I do? I'm just doing everything I can to just get up in the morning. And so sometimes there are significant physical limitations. Would you then use that opportunity to to bring God's people before him in prayer? To to write a note of encouragement to somebody. To call somebody on the phone. Share of God's righteous deeds with them in that way. Many ways that you can still be used. Look at Psalm 39. Psalm 39, the psalmist asks this, O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. I think if we were a church that really believe this, that we believe that as we got old, we would be a people who would praise God continually, hope in Him continually, and preach about Him, talk about Him a lot. I think that could change a lot of things. I think more lost people would be saved. I think more young believers would be mentored and discipled. I want to be a part of a church in which as we get older, we look more and more for ways to be used by God. And we would be a church who really cares about lost people. And so we would sing this, I love to tell the story. It's pleasant to repeat. It seems each time I tell it, more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story. Listen, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. Would we be a people that would love to tell that story? And then as we tell it, we would remember again It's sweetness. And we would tell it. We'd be motivated to tell it because there are some who have never heard it. Now we would also be a church filled up with people who, as we age, care about the saved. And we sing, I love to tell the story, not only to the lost, but for those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. Would you be a person that, as you age, is committed to more and more, hoping in God, praising God, and telling other people about His righteous acts? Psalm ends with verses 19 through 24. The result of all that is that I will praise him. Did you see that in verses 22 and 23? I will praise you with the harp. Maybe you don't have a harp. That's fine. Just use something else. For your faithfulness, oh my God, I will sing praises to you with the lyre. And again, you probably don't have one of those, but maybe you got an accordion, so go nuts with that thing. O oh, holy one of Israel, my lips will shout for joy. When I sing praises to you, my lips will shout for joy. And how do we do that? How do we, as we maybe don't feel it right now, how do we use our languishing lips to shout for joy? How do God's praises protrude from a place just behind some polygrip dentures, right? How do we talk continually of the consistent care and comfort that we have received throughout our life From our great God. How is it that we get to that point? We get to that point when we recognize that God has redeemed us. That's the end of verse 23. My soul also, which you have redeemed. And now on this side of the cross, we understand that redemption much, much more clearly. That we have, as followers of Jesus, you have been redeemed. You have been redeemed bought with a price you've been taken out of your slavery to sin and you've been given a new master you have been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light you've been brought from death to life and if you think you don't have anything to preach you're mistaken we are singing praises to the one who redeemed us and honestly just just telling you as your pastor who wants to, 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 to love you and shepherd you and care for you, comfort you, if, if you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior as you get old, I don't even know how to comfort you. I really don't. I don't know what to point you to. I don't know how to say, well, there's still hope. Because maybe physically, medically, there really isn't a lot of hope. But if you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I can point you to the hope that you have in Him. If you don't, I, I don't know what to point you to. Just point you to that and tell you repent of your sin. Because if you do not, even as you age, if you do not turn from your sin and trust in Jesus, you will suffer God's righteous judgment for your sin. And eternal torment in hell, I'm guessing, is worse than rheumatoid arthritis. I haven't experienced either. But from what I read in Scripture, that is the case. And so, would we be a people that would turn continually from our sin and trust continually in Jesus? I like to think of it this way, that as we age, as I age, I don't know how old God will let me be. Maybe it's not much beyond 33. I don't know. But if I were to grow to what people would call an old age, I would hope that I would just see those final days, those final years as a final warm-up before I go join the heavenly choir. That I would see, like it says in that song, and when in scenes of glory I sing a new, new song, it'll be the old, old story that I've loved so long. There might be a new melody, but the lyrics are going to be very, very similar that this song, the story that I'm telling, that I'm rejoicing in and hoping in right now, I have the hope as I age and as I near death that I will one day not be telling that story to people who have never heard it, but I will be singing that story alongside people who have given their lives to tell that story and rejoice in that story of God's redemption that comes to us in Christ. That's what I want for our church we will one day gather together not in this sanctuary but in heaven as we sing praises and we're just warming up here this is my story another song says that we're actually going to sing right now this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long that's what i want my story to be don't you